go, 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 go. Never, even though I was doing the self-care, I was not really listening. Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Margaret Floyd Barry. Margaret is a functional nutritionist, real food advocate, and the author of Eat Naked and its follow-up cookbook, The Naked Foods Cookbook. Having seen family members suffer the devastating effects of chronic illness from a young age, Margaret has long had the desire to help others find a better way back to optimal health and well-being. Through years of experience working with the most complex client cases, including reversing her own autoimmune condition, Margaret has established a power Powerful system for restoring health by addressing the root cause of illness. Today, Margaret runs Eat Naked Kitchen, a thriving private practice that supports clients in achieving true health and vitality through therapeutic diets and lifestyle changes. She also helps fellow practitioners build their own successful practice through restorative wellness solutions, a two-year certification program for qualified health professionals. So what would happen if you started looking at your symptoms as clues letting you know what needs your attention. If you're struggling with any physical symptom, grab your pen and paper because my next guest, Margaret, is going to be diving in deeper to what they may mean. Now, of course, physical symptoms can be due to injuries and, you know, and more, but very often they're showing up to help us discover something important. You'll see what I mean as we dive into this conversation. Here we go. Okay, everybody, you are in for such a treat. I have my friend Margaret Floyd Barry with us today, and she is going to be sharing all about betrayal of the body. And, you know, we've talked about betrayal of self and of a family member, a partner, a friend, a coworker, someone in a position of authority, all of that. But so, so often it happens that there's just a betrayal of our bodies and ourselves. And, and I just want to dive in deeper with someone who I truly adore and who understands this topic so well. So welcome, Margaret. Oh, thank you, Debbie. It's so good to be here. Uh, so good to have you. Let's talk about this is, you know, cause now I know I'm always trying to think, uh, get in the minds of my listeners and like betrayal of, you know, the body, what the heck is she talking about? Is there a story or something that yeah. you can share with us? There sure is. There sure is. So I mean, there's lots of stories we could all share, right? But I want to I want to start with one that has been a profound educational experience for me that really transformed my relationship with my body and taught me that I can trust it, um, which I think is something that is is really hard to do these days. We get a lot of messages about um, what we should feel, what we should look like, how we should what we should do to take care of ourselves. There's like just shoulds, shoulds, shoulds coming at us, and it has really divorced us from learning how to listen and how to trust what we're hearing. So when I was in my teens, I started to get debilitating migraines. And I feel like there's two types of people in the world. There's people who've had migraines and people who haven't had migraines. So for those of you who have, I'm so sorry. And for those of you who haven't, this is more than just a headache. This is like torturous, all-encompassing, vomit-inducing, like excruciating pain. Not, I would never wish a migraine on somebody who hasn't had a migraine, but there's always that moment. You know, I've had people come to me going, oh my God, I just had a migraine. 
I never understood. And a little piece of me is like, yeah. So just to say they're excruciating for those of you who haven't had it. And it really took over my life. Um, I was getting them two, three times a week and I had these four years and they would, they would shut me down. Right. And I got to the point in my mid twenties, I would track my bottle of Advil. Literally. I had one in my desk at work, one in my car, one in my purse, one in, of course, multiples in my apartment. I was dating a guy who lived two floors below me wasn't enough to have it, to, to know that my Advil was two floors above me. I had to have his place stocked too. That's how much it was controlling my life. I could like track my Advil at any moment. Cause the second that thing started to come in, I would just start, mm-hmm. not that it even really did anything, but it made me feel like I was trying to do something. Now, fast forward to when I studied nutrition, um, and entered this field of health, Um, I did a lot of healing work on myself and I got a lot of this under control, meaning that I brought it down from two to three a week to like maybe one or two a month. Sometimes I'd go months without it. And this was just, I mean, for me, this was game changing, even though I'd still get them occasionally, it was totally life-changing. And then I got pregnant with my first daughter and I learned that there's one thing worse than having a migraine. It's having a migraine when you're pregnant because you can't do any of the things that you would normally do, right? Like you can't take the painkillers. You can't, like there's so little. So you just have to sort of lie there and suffer. Um, And I got a lot of migraines with that first pregnancy. It was really, really rough. And when my daughter was born, I was still getting them because I'm like not sleeping. She was not a good sleeper. You know, I was stressed, all of the things. And I'm also now working as a nutritional a nutritionist, right? So I'm a health practitioner and I have this story in my mind of like, you are a total fraud. How can you be teaching people this when you are still struggling with this? And every time I would have one of those migraines and it would put me to bed, I would fight. I would feel like my body has ultimately betrayed me, especially at the beginning when I was younger, I just hated them. Once I had done the work, right? I'm eating right. I'm taking all the supplements. I've done the gut healing. I've done the food sensitivity testing. I've done the hormone testing. I've done, I've done all the things and it's still holding me in its grips. And I felt, I mean, really the best word for this is betrayal. It's like, how could you do this to me after everything I'm giving to you? How could you put me back into bed? Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, I was working with a life coach And this was like a constant source of discussion with us. And one day she gave me the assignment of coming up with a personality, like kind of giving my migraine, like a name and a character, like in a movie. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of preconceived ideas about what this character was going to be. Right. Um, I thought this was going to be some like evil monster, like out to get me. And when I sat down with my journal and I got really quiet and sort of asked the question, like, who are you? Mm -hmm. It was profound what came through to me. It was mama migraine. And I was like, wait, what? Like, how could this be mama migraine? Now I have a complicated relationship. My mom, my mom had passed a couple of years before. So I was, it was a tender thing for me to recognize. But what I realized is that that migraine was actually looking out for me. And I think part of the reason I came to this is so my daughter like bless her. She's amazing, fiery creature, did not sleep. Like she just hated sleep. I swear, even in utero, she was like the most rest. I mean, she's just fireball all the way through. And I, I had hear, a couple of those. Right. And so here I am. She hated to nap, especially. I mean, you just like could not get this kid to nap. Yeah. And so I was resorting to, she's about one years old at this point. What I would resort to is literally lying down with her on the bed, 
holding her and she'd be screaming and kicking. And I'm thinking like, I wonder if the neighbors think I'm doing to this child. I'm just like holding her until she would exhaust herself into sleep. And then she would ultimately she'd just pass out and then she'd have the deepest sleep and be totally fine on the other side. And I was like, oh, that's what my migraines are doing for me because I am a super type A driven person had a newborn in the house, still running a business, still doing all the things, go, 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 go. Never. Even though I was doing the self-care, I was not really listening when all those cues of like sitting there in the morning and like needing to drink like three cups of coffee to get through the day, I was not actually listening. And so, so my and body- I have to stop you right yeah. here because Listeners and viewers, I want you to get that. Do you understand how profound that is? Your body is speaking to you all the time. And here, Margaret was not slowing down and her body's like, oh, yes, you will. I'm going to make you. So the migraines were the perfect way to force you to give yourself the break that you would not take yourself. Exactly. And it was exactly like me holding Sia, forcing her to nap. The migraine was the only thing that would send me to bed. Because when I had a migraine, there was nothing else I could do. I had to go to bed or I would start literally vomiting. Like I just like, I could not do anything else. I had to go to bed and sleep sometimes for two days. Amazing how and, our, our brilliant minds, they get in the way because we're not listening to the body. I mean, in my experience, I had to have two foot surgeries. Think about what the, what the feet represent moving forward. And I had to have foot surgeries to put me in cast and crutches. So I could not walk how I normally would. Right. And still, you know, you just don't get the message. So, so clearly you were overworking, just driving, you know, constantly. And then the migraines were trying to, you know, that was the way you were getting that message. So you finally got the message and what happened? Like, did you just realize it one day? What happened next? (laughs) No, I mean, I, I realized it, it was profound. And then, you know, week, two weeks, however long later till the next migraine came in, I found myself like, and then, okay, get it. I'm listening. And what ended up happening is slowly over time, my relationship with the migraines still every once in a while come in. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, oh, I got this thing solved. Mm-hmm. This is a lifelong. I mean, I feel like this is, this is like my lesson. We all have like our lesson. This is my lesson is learning to really listen to what my body is telling me when I'm in go mode and everything in me wants to override it. Because if I listen, then I don't get the migraine ever. And when I stop listening, I get the migraine. And then it's like, oh. And is there, so I'm so curious, is there a moment where you, you notice you're, you're just going about your million things you need to do and planning and all this stuff. And then do you get sort of a feeling and it's like, no, 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 I, I got this. Just go away. And, or is it like where it, it is a moment where, you know, this is the defining moment right here. I can either listen or not. Like what happens? I would say there's a collection of many of those little moments. I don't know that there's one defining moment. There probably is. Mm-hmm. Um, but often there've been so many little warning signs leading up to that. It's the alarm goes off and I'm exhausted. And I'm like, well, I could stay in bed for another hour. Cause I don't really have to get up right now, 
Um, I could skip a morning practice or two and get the hour of sleep that I really need and go on with my day. Or I could be so committed to my in my structure, my preconceived, you know, what I got to do in the morning to have a good day that I get up anyways. That's like, that's one of those kind of little cues, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the, at the end of the day, like literally not being able to keep my eyes open after seven o'clock at night. It's like, how about you go to bed at eight and how about you don't set an alarm? Mm -hmm. It's, it's all of those little things. And then if I stop if I'm not listening to those and I continue to override them, and sometimes I do override them consciously because like life is requiring me to override them. I think that's really important is sometimes you're going to have to override the symptoms, right. the, the signs, right? But as long as it's a mindful choice and it's like, it's a conscious mindful choice at recognizing, okay, And then the game plan is like, what is, how am I going to compensate? How am I going to then give myself extra self-care as to compensate for the fact that I'm making a choice in this moment to push through? So it's always that like one, two thing, but then it will get louder, you know, then it's like, oh, my neck is starting to get a little bit sore, you know, my back, I can feel the tension in my back, you know? Um, yeah. And so. I want to dive into that even more because, you know, everybody listening to from betrayal to breakthrough, they're coming from an experience of betrayal. And then sometimes they do some exploration and they realize, wow, you know what? I really wasn't giving myself enough self-love, self-care. Uh, I didn't believe I was lovable, worthy, deserving. I mattered, whatever it is, you know, there's always something. So when, when you're driving, like, like I know for me personally, I grew up with the idea that if you're um, having fun, you're not being responsible, which was like the mm. ultimate sin. So I, I mean, I was a kid, I just wanted to have fun, but I really just kept doing things because I wanted to be responsible. So I find myself now, if I'm, you know, not doing something, one of the first things I think to myself is, you're being so lazy. And I know it's that old stuff. So yeah. if there's something like when you find yourself going, going, going and driving yourself to the, this exhaustion and to yeah. migraines, what's the conversation? Yeah. You know what? I, if you'd asked me this question two weeks ago, I wouldn't have had a good answer for you, but I actually do because I've been doing a lot of exploration into this right now because I recognize this pattern of like, it's much easier for me to override the cue and think, oh, I'll just take care of that self-care stuff later. Way easier to do that than to slop and understanding the story beneath it. I think that's critical. So for me, my story is in order to succeed, I have to deplete myself. And so if I'm not depleting myself, I'm not just driving myself into the ground. That is what I have equated with getting the things in life that I want, you know, whether it's, you know, biz professional, whether it's, you know, financial, whether it's, I mean, I'm, I run marathons for goodness sakes. I saw a meme on Instagram the other day that was like, don't ever mess with somebody who runs like 26.2 miles for fun. And I'm thinking like, yeah, cause we are stupid, uh, <laughs> potentially, no, but like we can override some pain, you know? And yeah. so I've just equated success with, I need to drive myself into the ground. Like there's an underlying story in that. And you know what? Sometimes I have driven myself into the ground and I have been successful. And what I'm learning right now is that actually those two, it's not because I drove myself into the ground, I'm successful. That's what I have. That's my job right now is to unpack those two things. It's like, I drove myself into the ground and I was successful, but there, it wasn't like 
if A, then B, right? And I think that's one of the, figuring that out. And as I said, like literally I've only figured this out in the last two weeks. So I'm definitely still a work in progress. Um, but that's been really eye-opening for me is recognizing, oh, no, no, no. Depleting myself is just depleting myself. Success and, can actually be easy. Right. And that can come from something as simple as hearing as, mm -hmm. a, as a child, nothing good yep. comes easy. Right. right. Something right. as simple as that. You hear nothing good comes easy. So then it's like when it's easy, we think it doesn't count. It doesn't yep. matter. You nope. can add that to the list. You know, it's it's so interesting because then when you when you hear about the, the thought leaders, the ones who are just impacting so many people, they actually I remember reading, I think it was like Warren Buffett taking time to think. Scheduling thinking time was a Warren Buffett. If not, it was someone else, but you get the idea. Yeah, yeah, totally. Thinking time or or uh just you know purposely scheduling downtime, white yes. space, yes. you know, I mean, the natural instinct may be, oh my gosh, I have this space here. Let me fill it with another yep. appointment. Yep. But, but we're, we're doing that not because it's going to get us any more success. It's because of that programming exactly. left over. Exactly. Yeah. So when you realize this, that, and that's a big revelation, did it change anything? Did you, did, are you doing things a little bit differently or? Yeah, significantly, actually. Um, I would say the biggest difference for me now is having a conversation with myself <clears throat> when I notice the tendency to drive. Mm -hmm. It's a much more, the, the, the decision point <clears throat> is a really, and I can give you an example literally from this week. So I'm in the thick of a marathon build right now. So I am running a lot of miles. And I also run two businesses, have two small children, family, you know, I have other things to do as well. And so, you know, Monday, um, my incredible husband who does most of the, a lot of the household stuff, um, and he wasn't feeling well. And so suddenly it was like, oh, so I can't run in the morning. Cause I'm now I'm on kid, you know, doing the kid stuff and then didn't run later in the day. And there's, you know, eight miles in my trying to get to 60 miles this week. That's a lot of miles to not have run on a day, you know, and that's suddenly a day off. And so then yesterday I, I did my, my morning run. And then I was thinking, okay, how do I, how do I fix, how do I add in these eight miles? Right. And I, at the end of the day, my original thought at the beginning of the day was I'm going to run an extra four tonight and another four the other day. And, and I have a big workout. So that was yesterday. I have a big workout tonight at the track with my coach. And so yesterday at the end of the day, I checked in and I was like, okay, what if this were easy? What if the recovery, the little bonus recovery that I got on Monday was actually more important than pushing myself to more miles? And what if I don't hit 60 miles this week. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, these things start to take on a life of their own. I mean, actually, as I'm saying this, it's like, who cares if you hit 60? It sounds so absurd, but let me tell you, this was the kind of thing that could like bring me to tears. Like I didn't get my miles in. So, um, so, you know, and I just made the decision. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to push it. I'm just going to go to bed. I had the best sleep last night. I feel great today. I'm really looking forward to my training and my workout tonight. And you know what? I might, or I might not get those extra eight miles squeezed in over the rest of the week, but I am not going to push it. And that is different than what I would have. I would have made a different decision probably as recently as last week. Right. And, and you, you do always hear it's, isn't, isn't that, that the off time, an important part of recovery oh. and a part of training. Yeah. So, so now I'm just picturing, you know, everybody like, okay, well, I'm not running marathons, but I'm definitely working really hard. How do I, how do I justify the time off or doing less without feeling guilty, without feeling like a slacker, without feeling lazy, speak to that person, because I know they're thinking right now, but you don't even 
get what I have on my to-do list. Yes, I do. Speak to yes. that person. Yeah. You know what? I literally just heard one of the top medical doctor who speaks on sleep discussing this just recently. He said, professional athletes get paid to recover. Oh, wow. And this is a totally different mindset than the professional sports would have had mm, five, 10 years ago, for sure. Now they are paid to recover because they are recognizing how vitally important that downtime is. That is where you, you're in the gym, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're lifting weights, you're out there on the trails, you're running, you're doing the thing. That is not where you're getting stronger. You're breaking your muscles down in those moments. It's when you sleep. It's when you take the hot bath. It's when you do whatever it is you do to relax that the muscles are building back up. And that's when you're getting stronger. So mastering recovery is as important, if not more important than the actual exercise itself. And this applies to anything, anything. I love the example you're talking about earlier with the white space in a, in a day, right? Because who gets their best ideas in the middle of a high stress meeting. I mean, occasionally maybe, but you know, you get your best ideas when you're like in the shower right. or you're walking your dog or you're like, you know, it's something completely unrelated. That's when like the creative juices flow. And I feel like we need, I think culturally, we need to just flip the priorities. I mean, we have, we have idolized driving ourselves into the ground on every level. Yeah. So, you know, working, not sleep. It's like glorifying this sort of lack of sleep and martyrdom and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, no, that's, we've just, we've got it all wrong. We need to glorify the person who can like sleep the best and, yeah. you know, take those, you know, afternoons off to go think like the thinking times. I love that. Love it. And it's, it's shockingly hard to do. And that's, that's what we need to flip. Right. That makes so much sense. I actually have one of my daughters, she's in Spain now. And she was saying, you know, the, just they they prioritize mm -hmm. sitting at a cafe and yes. talking for hours and just being oh, with friends and and you know that then you you and here I am I'm in New York and it's like it's like the opposite you know it's <laughs> just go just go and and it's really interesting what you're saying because we don't prioritize there's something about we it's like we value like oh I only got four hours oh you're lucky I only got two yes. it's like what is yes. that so what can we do what can we do to flip that a little bit give us some strategies Okay. Well, so first of all, I, what I want to say, kind of going back to the original like thing about trusting your body, mm. I want to invite anyone here who's dealing with a thing physically, which I think most of us are on some level. Yep. What is that thing that is holding you back from living your full life and that you hate when it happens? Maybe it's back pain. Maybe it's struggle sleeping. Maybe it's whatever it is. For me, it was the migraines. And I want you to get really quiet, get out your journal and ask it, who are you? And what are you here to give me? And you don't have to think this through. Something is going to come through. Like, it's kind of amazing what happens when you just like ask the question and then just start writing and see what comes out. And I am going to bet it's going to surprise you. But I think number one, when we're talking about, we need to, we, what we're talking about here is we need to be able to listen to those cues earlier in order to build trust that those cues are things to pay attention to and not to just override. Because once again, we are in a world that overrides every specific, like talk about like symptoms, 
I mean, it's all about let's take a thing to make that thing go away. <laughs> and you're right. And I love that because every symptom is showing up to, to, to tell you something, you know, it it's is. like if the red light, you know, in, engine light comes on in your car, you don't put a sticker on it. So you don't yeah. see it. It's yeah. trying to let you know something's going on. So exactly. what is it that your body could be trying to tell you? Because it's exactly. not trying to punish you. It's trying to, no. it's trying to get your attention. And you know, if you don't, you don't listen, it's just going to get louder and louder. So it it's is. those symptoms are, are always showing up for a reason. Okay. Oh, so the so symptoms good. are showing up, we're going to pay attention. And then what do we do once we discover oh, wow, I didn't realize it's trying to hold me back for some reason or whatever the reason is that it's showing up. So once you've built that trust and now you understand like the intention, because when you, when you do that exercise, you're going to understand sort of the intention of the symptom. Like how is it actually serving you? Now I'd say the step two is to, is to actively listen and pay attention to when there are cues and notice the cues that could lead up to it. And I don't know what those are going to be for you because it's going to be very different from every, for every person. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee you that your body is speaking to you before it has to scream to you. It's there's, it starts at whispers and then it gets to a normal voice and then it speaks louder. And then it like, you, you know, I say with my kids, I'm about to use my angry voice. Like it starts to use this angry voice. So the key is to start really listening for cues that are in a softer voice, that are more subtle and noticing them. I think that's, that's a really important step two. Step three is now, what is the game plan when you listen to that? What is it at when you know, when you know it, when you've done that exercise in step one, like I knew that my, that migraines was not this like horrible, evil monster out to get me. And now it's like, it's a mama. It's like trying to calm me. It's trying to give me exactly what I need. So what is it that I need in those moments? I need to, to stop and sleep. And so uh, what is it in your character of whatever it is that is doing its thing to you to slow you down? What is it that it's asking of you? And find ways to give it that preemptively. Okay. I love that so much. So I'm going to see if I just have this right. So mm -hmm. we want to find out uh, what's the intention of the symptom, right? Mm -hmm. What is the intention behind it? Actively listen. Mm -hmm. actively listen to what it's trying to say, look and listen for the cues and listen for that soft voice, because it's only going to get louder. We want to catch it when it's in that soft voice. What's the plan when you do hear it and then give it whatever it's asking for. Exactly. And come up with a plan to give it more regular, to give it to yourself more regularly. So a major, major, uh, two major triggers for me with my migraines, lack of sleep and stress. And so I have completely reprioritized my life where I, I don't make evening commitments almost ever. I mean, that might sound like a boring way to live, but I like, I, I love what I do. And most of my social things with running is happens in the morning. So almost, you know, I just, I just know that sleep is the absolute number one priority. And I, I almost never make decisions that will sacrifice that sleep. And that's different. I use, that's a very different way of living for me. Um, years ago, I would, I would say yes to all the things. I love people. I love doing things. I love, you know, having fun. Um, and I would say yes to all of the things at the expense of my sleep, but that meant I was saying no to my health. It was meant I was saying, you know, to all sorts of other things. So I really reprioritize things. You want to get ahead of it and structure your life around this stuff so that, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean that your life has to sort of dramatically take an overhaul. These are little tweaks. 
just little tweaks that you can do. But it's but, also um, repri- well, it's reprioritizing, and it sounds like it's it's setting boundaries. You know, it's a real, it's, you're setting boundaries for your own self-care, self-love. I mean, and it's all a good thing. It's Mm -hmm. so you show up better. You want to give a hundred percent, but if you have nothing left, what do you have to give? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, um, one of the people I studied with at the very beginning of my career in nutrition is Mark David. You might know him with Institute Mm -hmm. for the Psychology of Eating. And I remember he shared once something that I just, I mean, I literally wanted to punch him when I, when he first said this to me, which was, um, the disease is the cure. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what are you talking about? But he really, what he's saying is whatever that disease process or ill health, whatever that physical symptom is asking of you is exactly what you need to give yourself. And it's a hard message to hear, but let me tell you, you know, I have now been doing this work since, since that conversation with him, I have now been doing this work for what, 13, 14 years since. And I will tell you, I have not ever seen a single client where what their body is asking of them is not because of this um, disease or dis-ease, right? Whatever kind of discomfort and symptom their body is expressing, whatever that was asking of them was always exactly what they needed. Uh, I love that. Trusting the wisdom of the body. Margaret, what do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? What I, well, exactly what you just said, you can trust your body. You can trust what it is asking of you. And this is an exercise in listening and, and, and really deep listening, not cursory listening because my migraines weren't telling me I had an Advil deficiency, (laughs) right? My migraines were telling me there's some deeper things I needed to look at. And so when you feel that thing, take a minute, you know, set aside some time and really dig into it. It doesn't mean that you don't do all of the things like the sleep and the diet and all, all of that stuff is super important as well. Um, but this piece of rebuilding that trust in yourself, understanding your body is not betraying you, even if you've, and I think if we've had experiences of betrayal in our life, it's easy to start transposing that and projecting that template onto all sorts of things, including our physiology, but your birthright is to thrive. Absolutely. And if there's something in the way of that, then a key piece of your healing is going to be listening to how your body is, what your body is telling you, and then responding in kind. Brilliant insights, my friend. I knew, I knew it when we were going to have this conversation. I am so glad you shared it with us. Where do we go to learn more about you and the amazing work you do? Absolutely. Well, um, my main website is eatnakedkitchen.com and you will find loads of recipes and articles on health. And my focus is all about real food. Um, so some great, you know, the actually just even opting into the site, will send you a kitchen essentialist and a meal plan for a week and get you started on that kind of stuff. If food is something that's of interest to you, but there's lots of resources there for you. And, uh, yeah, that would be and, and Instagram. I post there pretty regularly, which is at Margaret Floyd Barry. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and listeners, I'm looking at Margaret. You have no idea how glowing she is like the healthiest person I know. And the healthiest looking person I know, if you want to see like 
vibrant, radiant woman who is on purpose. It's Margaret. And I just, I thank you so much for your contribution here and to the world. You're doing amazing work and we're just so grateful. So thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Thank you so much. It's an honor. So what outdated beliefs can be at the root of some of your symptoms? Do you have a belief like nothing good comes easy that's driving you to overwork? What are those symptoms trying to say? Stay in touch with Margaret by going to eatnakedkitchen.com and we'll have all of our information in the show notes at the pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. One, find out the intention of the symptom. Two, actively listen to what it's trying to tell you. Three, look for cues that are speaking in a soft voice. Four, give it that. Five, make it a regular practice to listen and respond. It's all about trusting the wisdom of the body and deeply listening to the messages you're receiving. Now, some of those symptoms may be telling you that you're stressed and overwhelmed by your betrayal and the shattering of trust. And that's where the PBT Institute comes in. Let us help you move through the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough with the help of our certified coaches who teach daily classes, and they all specialize in something different like narcissism, reconciliation, divorce, addiction, self-care, and so much more. We also have our self-paced programs, which move you through the stages, masterclasses with the most amazing experts, sessions with me, our incredible and supportive community. There's nothing else like it. And you can learn more at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.